welcome to episode four of Pinoy's versus the world. My name is Jess Wanich. And I'm Harald Hilseth. And we're bringing it to you live from Seattle, Washington on Wednesday, May 26th at a balmy 7.06 p.m. Harald, how are you doing today? Balmy. I, hey, I'm doing well. It's a balmy 61 outside. Ooh. I don't know about balmy 7.07, which it is now 7.07 p.m. For those uh, keeping track at home. But you know, like you said, we were talking about earlier before we hopped on uh, the recording that this is the last Wednesday of the great month of May in the ever so wonderful year of 2021. <laughs> it's moving yes. faster than Michael Phelps in the water in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. There you go. Getting the get in the dates and the competition. Right. <laughs> Perfect. We were just, uh, yeah, we were just talking about Tokyo and uh, starts in eight days and uh, they're still in lockdown. And uh, I think in lockdown in a lot of part of the country. So if not the entire country, so a little suspicious, but yeah, I, I don't know what's going to go on with that, but we love some good Olympics fever on the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, just considering where we're at in Seattle, you know, we're just blessed to be all vaxxed up and everything, enjoying this yes, sir. beautiful weather. So what's the weather looking like where you're at, Harold? Well, it's 61 right now. Sounded like Steve Poole out here. It's just going to be Young about a Steve 59. Poole. Yeah, 15. You know, okay, so it's clear today, at least if I look outside. But last yeah. night, for those who tried to give it a shot uh, in the greater Seattle area, well, at least like essentially here on what was, I mean, it would have been this morning. So the morning of the 26th, there was uh, supposed to be around like two or three in the morning. You were going to be able to see the blood moon, which is like Ooh. a lunar eclipse. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of hyped. I stayed up a little bit, went out there Well, earlier in the night, went on a walk, clear skies. The moon was so bright. I was so excited for it. And then I come outside at like two 30 in the morning, my Burks and like jacket just thrown <laughs> the on. Burks the burks i look into the sky and it's nothing but overcast and i was like mm. awesome the newspapers got it right there was like people record there they're like don't even give it a shot because it's most likely gonna be overcast but it was so clear at like 11 p.m it was three hours away and then i come out to just absolute overcast and no blood moon for me but if you got a chance to figure out how to watch uh that lunar eclipse last night or eclipse uh shout out you I haven't even seen pictures about it. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even have that much interest in like moons other than like the fact that it's in the sky. I don't know. <laughs> I have hey. no fascination with moons, but absolutely like high levels of fascination with space. Hey, but shout Work out to the moon. Shout out to the moon for the tides <laughs> and the oceans. But also you mentioned, moon. you know, a shout out on getting a shot and looking at the moon. We're going to switch it over to our <laughs> local, national, international yo, yo, news. Yeah, if you're unvaccinated and looking at the lunar moon last night, what are you doing? What are you doing, bro? And once again, this is our little sponsorship to please get vaccinated wherever you're at. Please. Please. Absolutely. And as we jump into it here today um, with our new segment, the CDC has lifted their masking guidelines for fully vaccinated people. But again, that comes with some caveats. It's lifted everywhere except for hospitals, healthcare facilities, such as small medical clinics or the dentist, federal buildings. So, you know, thinking about anywhere where you need to do some federal stuff. So the courthouse or, you know, other places where you interact with, you know, TSA or other federal people and public transit. So thinking about buses, trains, 
and airplanes, you still got to be messed up just for courtesy out of those who are unvaxxed. But if you are vaxxed, continue doing what you're doing. But also, it's okay to mask off in outdoor settings, outdoor settings. And once again, too, wherever you're at, you know, please listen and follow local guidance as well. Um, You know, there may be another situation where you're at where, you know, you may not be on the same level as where you're at nationally. So wherever you're doing, please listen to your public health, local officials, wherever you are. Any uh, advice on that, Harold, for our vax people out there? I mean, you're uh, fully vaccinated. Yeah, we are both fully vaccinated uh, folks. Uh, As we said last episode or last last episode, now the episode three with Camille, Filipino, uh, Pinoy, uh, Pfizer. Well, I got that flipped (laughs) up. Pfizer, Pinoy's, Pfizer, Filipinos. Um, It's uh, liberating, man. I mean, you you all heard it from straight from the CDC, straight from Dr. Um, Anthony Juanich right here. Just (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Jess Fauci. Dr. Fauci. Oh, whoa, whoa. Where did that come from? Oh, is he here on this podcast? Is he here? Is he? Hey, do we know our next do we guest. know tony do we know tony um but yeah no i i remember when i was on this trip i just recently took to eastern washington after my two weeks hit um i was staying with my friends who were vaccinated you know we're still obviously playing it cautious um i wake up the next morning just to like a stream of like all the group chats going crazy um and then like seeing like the washington or whatever i saw on washington post or whatever other paper uh, the CDC guidance for folks that have been vaccinated fully. And it's, you know, obviously it hasn't stopped people from choosing not to get the vaccine and like doing what they've been doing. You know, there are varying levels, but a lot of people still just doing what they're doing without the vaccine, which is still sus. But we were like, you know, it's high levels of efficacy, really excited moving forward. Um, just feel like a new, a new old kind of feeling, you know, just like, Mm. it's not freedom i mean look we've been free this whole time but it's like i i can't i don't know how to really describe it other than it's just a good feeling seeing with friends and family again without worrying about at least you know for now for the for the near future a deadly virus so oh yeah pretty great pretty amazing we'll have to catch some uh get some fish guys uh in the cd sometimes yes. just and uh hit up the vaccinated or unvaccinated sections of our favorite sports amazing. teams yeah, looking forward to that too, Harold. And once again, this is our short reminder to stay masked and get vaxxed. Yes, sir. And moving on to more local news, Governor Jay Inslee signed a pair of climate bills. They were some carbon cap and also clean fuel standards for the next generations of Washingtonians, looking at you know where we emit carbon dioxide through our vehicles, but also through other ways as well. Uh, In addition, there were some challenges in terms of vetoing statewide transportation funding that was going to be implemented within these climate bills, as well as vetoing a part of the bill that would require some consultation with local tribes regarding environmental policy. And, you know, again, that's very challenging in understanding how do we best understand environmental equity across the state. And, you know, that'll continue to be a problem and a challenge not only with Governor Inslee, but with future generations later down the line. But it is a right step forward in terms of becoming a cleaner and greener Washington. Would you say so, Harold? 
cleaner and greener washington love it uh jay if you're looking for some uh slogans you just got one free right from us right from the <laughs> mouth of dr anthony kwanich <laughs> no but i am not a doctor i am not a doctor i'm not a financial crypto advisor i <laughs> No, but um, yeah, no, I, it's always good news to hear progress on the side of uh, climate bills and our state leads the way in a lot of ways, but also hasn't. So it's nice to see any state, honestly, in the U.S. where like just where we can focus in on as as in our micro and macro communities um, throughout the country and the cities we live in, just like what you can do on a daily basis, but also like pushing for your big government, federal officers and offices to do things that they you know probably should have been doing for the last 20 years because as much as progress helps it's kind of less so um in our situation in terms of climate change and and just global warming in general not even global warming just like climate change what we should be calling it solidly um <laughs> we have a time limit kind of you know we definitely have a oh, clock I know, that's yeah. ticking so it's 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 great to see the progress but also it's always hovering over the head of like Anyone who like takes that seriously and takes that as fact, which it is, but you know what I mean? Like there's obviously yeah. a lot of people who are just have committed their lives to just being anti like climate reform. So it's always amazing mm-hmm. to see it actually go through. And like, we, you know, the Democrats control the house, the Senate and the governorship in Washington. And like, right. That, I mean, talking with any of our political friends when that happened was just like, we have to do things like the Democrats cannot afford to not to just like sit around and bicker about things that while you want to argue about them because we're not a monolith as a party Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know like you need to actually pass laws too that are going to positively affect not only the people who voted for you to be in power but the people who are going to doubt you and like hate who you know you may be as a politician but you're proving them wrong as a party you know by actually doing positive things for the community which we you know have been doing so um yeah it's great i just any progress towards that especially coming from the great state of washington um all in love it all in washington that should be another another slogan to add to our cleaner and greener washington yeah that'll be for our earth day drop our earth day shirt drop in 2022 hey that can be for your campaign in uh 2036 or running for governor governor heel seth right here will we have a climate in 2036 i would like to think yes but (laughs) hopefully this will help this will help bad bad joke but hopefully this will help um moving us forward knock on wood knock on natural wood All right. And shifting gears a little bit, uh, we also want to acknowledge that it has been one year um, since the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, The other day, May 25th, George Floyd's family met with President Biden in the White House, um, seeing his family members there, seeing community and also his daughter Gianna have that conversation about where the country is after that um, moment last year. And we saw yesterday that lots of sports leagues marked the occasion with different public statements and also the acknowledgement of, you know, how we've learned from that moment collectively as a country and also seeing the vigils and tributes honoring his life um, across the country in the different cities and towns. And again, reiterating that Black Lives Matter, you know, it didn't just, you know, mark that occasion with that event, but, you know, it encompasses all parts of our lives and we need to continue to understand and be a part of 
this movement for social justice. And we're continuing to do that through our platform and understanding where we're at and how we show up. And that's really important. Once again, just wrapping up our new segment here, uh, we do want to acknowledge what has been going on um, in the Middle East, especially um, between Israel and Palestine. Um, just hearing about the loss of life, um, both for Israelis and Palestinians, has been really heartbreaking and very hard to hear. But also knowing that, you know, this has been something that has been going on, you know, before both of us were born, right? And we, you know, aren't representatives of the area of Israel or Palestine. But we do want to acknowledge that the loss of life is something that, you know, has affected a lot of families in different ways. And understanding that this is such a complex issue and being able to be immersed in learning more about it, learning more about, you know, issues of displacement, not only in that area, but also how it shows up in other ways around the world um, is really important to understand, um, especially for communities that have been there and communities that continue to grow. And that's uh, something that we will continue to highlight and just talk about, um, you know, given our platform and given our views as uh, Filipino Americans. Harold, do you have uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you just hit it on the nail. 70, 80 years of conflict. Um, you know, we're not even wanting to take that, oh, we're on the middle ground. There's so obviously like mm. dozens upon dozens of lives lost from children to elders on the Palestinian side of the conflict that has also affected people in the state of Israel. And, you know, it bleeds into American culture in so many ways. Um, not the direct impact, but, you know, even in New York, there's been a rise in anti-Semitism, but like that anti-Semitism isn't, you know, like widespread on the same level of like you compare it to the conflict that's actually happening on like the Gaza Strip and stuff. And it's, you know, not anything we are experts in, but also don't want to take like a middling line kind of would be against the whole idea of journalism and news to not mention the biggest conflict of the last, not even just the last month, but like we said, just of like past 70, 80 years. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the nail. Definitely going to keep uh, tabs on it because for now, there is at least until today when we checked in, the ceasefire, you know, reportedly is still moving forward, but that's after all the destruction that's been, you know, mangled throughout the region from the last few weeks. So a lot of recovery and there's always recovery being done there. Um so yeah, keeping our tabs on it, not not ignore like not ignoring it, but you know, addressing what is happening. <laughs> Even here, like we said, with everything happening in New York, uh again, you can't put a one for one really, but there are things that are happening on the side of the other atrocities. <laughs> so yeah. it's um just something to keep tabs on and not losing sight that it's a constant living struggle. You know what I mean? For sure. And you know, for our listeners out there, Harold and I, again, once again, we're not experts on this. But we do want to let y'all understand that we are learning as, you know, the news updates throughout this time and also just as this continues. So um, we're going to be sharing some resources in a Google Doc with y'all uh, if you want to learn more about how you can learn more and educate yourself about what's going on. Um, but with that, I want to transition it over to Harald with some really, really interesting updates across the board. For sports, sports, ah, just sports. There we go. Yeah, horrible, horrible thing to transition to because sports is very lighthearted. <laughs> but um, 
got some fun news to share this week. A lot of stuff locally, uh, nationally going down the last couple of weeks. And um, obviously we're reaching the end of API Heritage Month. Uh, shout out API Heritage Month. Uh, it came by and left us very quickly. But um, <laughs> this is the end of API Heritage Month. And uh, it's not really like the only reason we want to shout out this person. Not that they care that we're shouting them out. It's literally probably the best player in baseball right now. But uh, Japanese-born, hailing from Japan, uh, Shohei Otani, tearing it up in Major League Baseball, looking like a young Babe Ruth out there, Uh, one of the, if not the only, probably the only and the most successful dual, um, dual dual-halved hitter, pitcher, player in the league, who not only has 15 homers, which I think is like, until yesterday, was tied for the top in all of baseball, um, is also boasting on the mound as a starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, a 2.37 <laughs> ERA and 45 strikeouts, you know, which ranks him top five, 10 in the league and only six, six starts. I was reading this ESPN headline the other day. It was just 450 foot homers and a hundred mile an hour fastballs. Shohei wow. Otani. <laughs> I mean, it's a spectacle. He's, he's um, been in the league for a few, few years now. So very salty didn't sign with the Mariners, but um you know his life (laughs) won't judge his decisions um except i will because i'm salty but uh he's still doing amazing things for the angels who even like surprisingly are behind the mariners still in the standings i don't know if that changed after today but how are you gonna have the best player in baseball and not be above us exactly i will get into right now because we definitely have taken a pitfall since the last time we reported on on our beloved m's uh sitting in third place in american league west 23 and 27 um faced uh, a horrendous back-to-back sweep by <laughs> albeit the best team in baseball the san diego padres and fernando tatis um but also not the best team in baseball the detroit tigers who i went to a game uh, against them we got to see well i'll get to them in a second but that's a hot take man hot take i mean look the the tigers have been winning a lot lately but we did get swept back swept back-to-back by these two teams alongside that not even being the worst thing that happened in the last two weeks the fact that we have been no hit as a team twice in the span of a month, which has only happened like five times in the history of baseball, a hundred plus 125 plus years of baseball in this country. So uh, yeah, no, we have not been looking good. Uh, and also on top of that, go M's. There's a fear of a COVID outbreak in the team as we are one of the least vaccinated teams in major league baseball reportedly. Um, so 14 out of 30 of the MLB ball clubs have reached the, threshold of like i think they said it like around 85 percent um for tier one individuals in teams being fully vaccinated um that includes everything from players to staff to the managers um and that would mean that they could relax their health and safety protocols and reportedly the mariners are only hovering around like sub 50 percent um Whoa. you know and scott service who's the manager is out there being like we can't you know we, you know we have to respect people's opinions not to get the vaccination and all this and then like you read a Larry Stone article about where I got these stats in the Seattle Times about us not being there. He's like, it is your right to do that, I guess, but it's also your right to like get judged because like I'm going to judge the Seattle Mariners for losing four <laughs> of our relievers to COVID protocol in the midst of a horrible stretch. This is going to turn into the Mariners hate hour if I don't move on. But yeah, on the bright side, um, two of our top prospects, uh, Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert got called up. Um, and we also have vaccination sections now, which I was in very exciting. Um, like I was telling Jess though, 
was kind of wishing actually to go into the non-vax section. Look, at, <laughs> it's, it's ironic, right? But at least in the non-vaccination section, you get like three, four whole rows separating you from other people. So you can stretch your legs out. You can just like spread out amongst your little bubble. Um, you still got to wear a mask, right? Actually, I mean, the Mariners, the Mariners also were like, hey, if you're fully vaccinated now, we're not going to require you to wear a mask. But it's like, are they going to stop everyone from oh. taking them off? Because they can't ask all like 14,000 people really. Um, right. I was there and that was like the first day that they announced <laughs> that was happening. And so many of the stewards like, you know, like, and Mariners have and I don't know if this is across the board in a lot of sports, but a lot of like more elderly folks, just like people obviously above 50 and just like working at t-mobile park and lumen field and stuff just no masks and i was like y'all are y'all are wild for this you're really you were just <laughs> ready just boom off gone but um yeah they're not requiring you to wear one if you don't um or if you have your card with you but again you're gonna be able to check everyone everyone's just gonna be like oh it's gonna flip up in the air like are you vaccinated are you not but mm. uh in the vaccinated section they do check for your card and there's a little bit of space in between people but like row to row to row to row all the way up um it was a good experience, and also the call-up of the boys uh, from AAA is exciting stuff. Um, but we're pretty bad right now. But you know who's not bad? <laughs> the reigning WNBA champions, Seattle Storm. Yes. We started a new season, or started a brand new season, uh, playing in Everett, because if you all know, Climate Pledge Arena. Shout out. I, that, that is actually <laughs> the one place I'm just going to call Key Arena. From now on, like it is Key Arena. I'm not gonna. Yes, we're not going away from that. But Key Arena is obviously being uh, prepped and almost uh, completed for the start of the Seattle Kraken season this fall. Super It'll be cracking. It'll be cracking. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the Storm, as they did uh, last season, will be playing in Angel of the Winds Arena in Everett. What a name, Angel of the Winds Casino. Shout out. <laughs> um, but uh, we're four and one right now, uh, looking pretty great. Only lost a game to uh, the next best team in the league, the Las Vegas Aces. Um, Brianna Stewart uh, passed uh, Storm. Yeah, hey man, Stewart. Stewie, low key, probably the goat already, and she's only like twenty six. But Brianna Stewart passed um, also Storm legend uh, Lauren Jackson and became the fastest player in league history um to get 2500 points and a thousand rebounds she's like top five now for like getting to 2500 points like youngest again only 26 um and just like balling she also won like i think i don't know if she won the euro league award the women's uh, basketball league in europe that happens in the off season of the WNBA. a lot of uh, great players go overseas for that um but she has been winning awards left and right and, and just making moves uh so the storm keep an eye on them looking for back-to-back championships um mm. and again to cleanse your mariners palette of disappointment <laughs> um the sounders are still undefeated um after a few games against lafc atlanta united just a lot of top tier competition in mls um we are undefeated i think about five we're five wins two ties uh have a season high out of any of the teams league high rather of an 11 goal differential so we've scored like 14 goals which is almost top of the league like second and only given up three which is like bottom so like you have a team that's offensively the best and defensively the best is crazy um sounders are looking great uh, we were talking about this before jess maybe going to a vaccinated section uh at the games uh affordable yes. too like if you try to buy these tickets for sounders and mariners more so for sounders games online you'll be paying like upwards of 80 90 100 bucks because they're in such mm-hmm high demand mm-hmm. but don't do that uh, don't do that you can get 36 tickets if you get vaccinated 
boom, see the best soccer team in the continental <laughs> U.S. Um, but yeah, Sounders looking great. Very excited for them. Rui Diaz, everyone moving forward. Uh, Captain Nico Lodero hopefully will be back next month. And, you know, who knows what you're going to do when you get your captain back. Are you just going to get even better? Going to get worse? Who knows? I got faith that will be even better. But yeah, knock on wood. Uh, we <laughs> never know what's going to happen with that. But going international too, beloved Liverpool uh, Super League rejects Liverpool FC. Um, <laughs> one of the greatest moments of like my entire life watching this team. And I think uh, anyone who watches soccer would have seen this, but uh, it was the 40 or the fourth minute of extra time. You know how like after the whole game's over, injury time gets added on. Uh, Liverpool sitting in fifth place in the English Premier League looking for the guarantee for Champions League soccer next year. You got to get top four, right? But Liverpool had to win their final three games to do it. Retired right now with a relegated team, West Brom. 94th minute, up comes the goalie. You're like, this never works, right? The goalie never scores the goal. Up with the greatest header I've ever seen, the most impressive header I've ever seen in that like kind of situation to like with the season on the line. Alisson Becker, our beloved goalkeeper from Brazil, gets up like 50 feet in the air and just knocks it across the across the plane of goal and, and wins the game for Liverpool, becomes the first goalkeeper in English soccer history, um, English football, to win, or not only to win the game with a header, but to even score a header. And there's only like six goalkeepers who have scored goals ever in the history of the top flight of English football and soccer and stuff. So shout out Alisson you're wild. Shout at you. We made the Champions <laughs> League. Um, that was not something I would have expected at the beginning of the season. Um, but also coming back to the States, Sabrina Ionescu, Ionescu, Ionescu? Uh, probably yeah. the other goat of the WNBA, became the youngest player. Um, and I, you know, I got to mention Sabrina is a is a Kobe prodigy. You know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Um, mm. He he was just such a mentor for Sabrina at, at her time at Oregon. Uh, shout out Pac-12. Um, but not shout out Oregon. Ironically, no, I'll shout out Oregon for this time. Sabrina's great. Uh, she became the youngest player to record a WNBA triple double and only the tenth in league history. You might be like Russell Westbrook has almost two hundred career triple doubles, and there's a long list of everyone from LeBron to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But it's obviously a very different style of play in the WNBA. So impressive. She's like twenty three or twenty two. I think she's alright. She's twenty three. Yeah. Um, so I'm at yeah. Look at us. What are we doing? A podcast recording. Uh, do have to end with a fair fond farewell to a man I know I grew up with. A lot of people grew up with if you watch Sports Center, anything on ESPN or even uh, you know ABC growing up, uh, you most likely saw a man from Kent, Washington named Kenny Maine. Whoa, uh, Kenny! Huge, you know he. Whoa, Kenny! <laughs> <laughs> Shout out the cave. <laughs> but um, yeah, Kenny Maine. After like 20, 30 years on Sports Center, I, I just remember watching him and Stuart Scott. Rest in peace, Stuart Scott, just, mm. you know, making me love sports growing up. And Kenny always having a really funny, like strong Seattle bias, you know, <laughs> was there from like the Sonics leaving to shouting out Ichiro Griffey with the M's, um, Beast Quake. He's been there for every major Seattle moment, and he's always there to shout out um, the Northwest and everything we got to offer. I'll never forget him talking about the Sounders winning the 2016 MLS Cup Championship. I was like, damn dude really is from here because you know sports center is not covering that in 2016 so uh shout out kenny main uh i don't think he's retiring i just think he's moving on so hopefully you know you got some left in the tank kenny um on the on, 
woke <laughs> bro you just got that in my head now but um yeah shout out kenny main i uh, grew up with that man so hopefully you're going to be doing some dope stuff moving forward him and Stuart scott man that's the duo it's the goat duo yeah, so, yeah man. shout out kenny just seeing all these like goats you know in their prime not only with broadcasting but with sports and uh, wherever we're getting older man lebron's 26 or 26 he's playing like he's 26 26 36 getting lobs from anthony davis what a that's time crazy man yeah what <laughs> a time what a time and you know speaking of what a time we're gonna be moving into our oh big picture God. story Pinoy's versus college admissions harold and i are going to be sharing our experiences and some research that we did as well as our own personal experiences navigating through college it'll be a yeah. trip It'll be a trip. Well, hey, it's a trip right now because I've got to ask you when when we were going through the process, obviously not at the same time, um, same time of the year, but we both went to the same high school, kind of similar pedigree. Like we had a lot of friends who were going to these top schools we're going to mention, um, but a lot staying in state, UW, WSU, um, Western Washington, Seattle U, um, all the way down the coast, just wherever you're able to find your niche, right, for college. But you got a lot of people who may have created, you know, not as individuals, but just at Garfield, like you had a split of people who, and I stuff you don't even realize until you get to college or how much college is a privilege, which is why I'll ask you in a second. But um, everything from folks just looking to work immediately after after school, community college, um, four year institutions, private, public, in state or out of state, um, and everything in between, just professionally, what you do after you 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 graduate with your GED. It's it's a big question that honestly I just always assumed I was going to go to college. I didn't realize how much of a privilege it was to go to college because I'm not first gen. My mom was. Um, I mean, obviously, I think technically, no, not even my dad. My 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 grandfather um, has a degree uh, as well. But yeah, my mom was first gen. Most of the people on my mom's side of the family, if not all of them, are first gen. Hmm. And speaking to you as a first gen student, um, what was that beginning process kind of like? given everything we kind of said about Garfield and just like how you had such a split really. And you always had that split, right? A split between the classes. If you were an AP quote unquote, regular track, whatever that means nowadays, you know, the whole fight against what AP P kind of creates from middle school on. Um, But with that being said, from my end of like, I did not see it as a privilege as much as I realized it to be when I got to school, Um, a very expensive privilege for a lot of people, (laughs) but still a privilege nonetheless. Um, what was that like just on like your end, especially like talking about being a first gen student and doing everything you did in college versus what that experience was like, say with like the PTSA, because we were so involved with, <laughs> with the schools, like parents through ASB. Oh, and yeah. Stuff. Oh, it yeah. It creates this really weird dichotomy that I can't even imagine what it was like from your end. So, right. And hey, I want to like bounce this off of you, too, because I feel like this was kind of like a similar experience, but I'll get to the first gen part. But in terms of like the application process like i was just so entrenched with where everyone else was applying right because mm-hmm. you remember like the garfield messenger they had the whole oh, map yeah of everyone's name all the that colleges whole last week of school when you were just finding out where all your senior friends were going to school and I, i'm gonna tell you like i would always be surprised not to see certain people's names that i knew without understanding that you know you had a life to live that may not be college related right immediately even if that's like if you're taking a gap year yep. even had a section for a gap year but there was never a section to like honor students who you know weren't going anywhere 
I yeah. mean, to be fair, there are people who went to school that did, just didn't submit their name, and you know, right. but it was a thing at Garfield, and as it is at probably a lot of other schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that we're where in. I think it's like if it's still up in our auditorium or not auditorium space, but our lunch area space, ASB room, the mm. the clubs all meet up in the certain area. You know, everyone would just eat out on the turf field during the nice summer months, but like in that main right. area on the hallway over where the admissions office is like you see every year going back to like 2007. That's so right. you know of it. Like you don't go to yeah. like a high school and not go to your admissions office and talk to counselors and all this stuff. Yeah. Cause that's a whole nother thing. Is like what counselors told you too. like that's such a wide yeah. range of experience <laughs> from very negative to very positive. Um, with the now, wide I'll, range I'll jump into that, but Okay, I have some names in terms of counselors, but for Whoa. the sake of oh. for the sake of confidentiality, drop, drop them now. <laughs> the cheese man, the tea, we need the cheese it. man, man, the checks mix. But okay, I'll just say, I'll just say, man, freshman to sophomore yeah. year, I had this counselor. You probably know who he is, mm-hmm. but the very infamous Mister Willis. <laughs> all the stuff about like his music all the stuff that you know was happening in the news again like if y'all aren't from seattle it's okay you don't need to know this but i'm just gonna name drop this person here so anyway i didn't come from like a public middle school i actually came from uh, a private middle school saint therese which is kind of ironic because like you know the pipeline is like to go from a private middle school to you know private high school so thinking like oh days yell prep all that but, you know, I was at a point like financially, like where my family is like, yo, like, you know, we were it was great to like get you disciplined at that area, but we just don't have money to send you there. And I'm like, that's cool. Garfield's great. Like, I know some people going to Garfield. Cool. Hey, Washington, too. You're at Washington, baby. Yeah. And, you know, just like keeping that up and then jumping into the whole counseling effort in terms of college and the process you know, being determined based on your GPA, what you're involved in and, you know, your community service as like the equation to where you're supposed to go. I just felt like that was so toxic, right? Like, cause yeah. for example, when it came down to junior, senior year, Mr. Willis left because of some shady reason or I got, oh, there it is. I got, <laughs> I got rearranged to a different counselor because yeah. of, you know, again, shady reasons. So with my new counselor, I'm not going to mention his name because I have some mixed feelings about him, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just name dropping today. But shout out our Garfield High School staff. But that was the thing, like my GPA wasn't, you know, that good, quote unquote, good to go to like these like, you know, the Harvard's, the UC's or whatever based on their stats. But at the same time. I didn't know that I was first gen or at least like that wasn't a thing right. to me. So like the terminology of it was just kind of like you were just like, oh, this could be an opportunity. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, too, because like technically so my parents went to college in the Philippines, but like based on the different like institutions you apply to, they can consider that as like, OK, you're not first gen because like right. your parents went to college. But what's interesting is if you get a degree internationally you know, let's say from the Philippines, like my parents had to like start from scratch, right? Because they, they got like their like, you know, degrees in fisheries, right? But if you take that, you know, education curriculum and compare it with, you know, a Western or like a United States centric curriculum, right? it's not on the same page. So again, like they couldn't get the same jobs that they had in the Philippines here. They had to start from scratch. So my dad 
he ended up teaching at SVI, which is the Seattle Vocational Institute. So, you mm-hmm. know, where people, you know, learn some trades, apprenticeships. So thinking about, you know, working with your hands, a lot of um, pipelines into blue collar jobs. So he ended up getting his associates, associates there um, or teaching there, got his associates at Seattle Central, but he didn't end up getting his bachelor's in the U.S. Um, similar to my mom, you know, she was college educated in the Philippines, but didn't end up getting an education here because it was just too gosh darn expensive. So flipping it back to my experience, you know, I didn't know I was first gen. So on the college application, I didn't dare to, you know, check that box, right? Because because I told my counselor, yo, my parents were from the Philippines, you know, they didn't end up getting jobs that they majored in or whatever. So they started from scratch. And he was just like, okay, I mean, you're not you're not first gen student. You're just gonna apply like everyone else. I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, <laughs> Like yeah, my like parents had to tell me that's my experience. Exactly, I mean, like, look, man. Because we're like jumping into this whole like us versus college admissions. Obviously, just is the topic of the episode. But yeah, like the fact that the college admissions process like really doesn't even like it. It, it like doesn't just encompass what the applications are like, like what you're doing for your SATs, which we'll get into, like test scoring, and, like how that factors into like the discrepancies of like wealth and race in the area that are so painfully obvious once you leave. And like a lot of, I think, you know, younger generations become more and more educated every single class that graduates. I think you can say that about Garfield entirely, just like people, I think, starting to realize that that process, like we become more uh, attuned to like what's happening as younger people. Um, But like, at least for me, right? Like, and maybe it was the same for you. It's just like you get to school and you're just like, wow, like this, especially as two people that went in, in state rather than leaving. Right. Because on my my end, like, well, I'll, I'll let you finish what you're saying. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, you see a lot of like your friends, like, you know, I think this is also kind of crazy, too. But when it comes down to that college admissions time, you yeah. see like who you're like, quote unquote, true friends are. Right. It's why the, yeah, dude. the jealousy kicks in, man. Like you see oh, people like high school jealousy get into Cal oh Poly, gosh. see people get into Ivy League schools. And you're just like second guessing yourself because you're like, shit, am I really like that dumb? Or like, am I really like not dude. that? high caliber to get into these schools and then it affects you because like toxic or like in a toxic way because like you see their names on that school newspaper you think of yourself and your decision and you're like and you see all the other names yeah you see all the other names like i feel it like maybe a more mature me would have just been like wow because i that's that's absolutely how i would have approached it right you put me as like nearly 24 six years ago over six years ago now you put me in that same spot i'll be like wow it's so awesome that a lot of my homies are, and my friends are going to these universities. They had their, they had their dreams set up. Right. But it's like, that's not who I was when I was, and that's not who most of us are when we're 17, 18, 16 years old. And even like we said, you see it every year. You have senior friends that are moving on. You're like, what's happening to this person? You don't hear from them again. It's yeah. Cause they're like, you know, they might be struggling with life or not even just that. They're just living their own life. There is no right. struggle to it. It's just, they didn't decide to, <laughs> they didn't decide to go to university. Like some of us did. Yeah. Um, But one last thing I wanted to add on to that before you jump into the research part was that I guess like, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong too on your experience, but we didn't realize how privileged the privileged kids were until their names were next to those schools, right? Because, you know, for them to get into those schools, right? Like they probably had access to testing after school. They had access to the best coaches in 
crew or whatever sport they're trying to do. But thinking yeah. about like students of color, students that are first gen or from some other underrepresented background, for us not to have those resources provided through our parents or our community or the PTSA, like we got to get that through like scholarships, you know, based for minority students, right? Or for students that, you know, need that, you know, quote unquote leg up because the system has worked against us historically. And it's right. like, and even like, yeah, even more ahead, of like, a, yeah, even more of like a direct focus on making sure, because I don't even think it's that it's just, well, I know at this point that it's not just that these resources don't exist. I think it's more so that they don't exist on a big enough level to affect as many students as you would like to positively affect from that experience. Right. That, that includes like financial support, the support that it takes to even get into these universities. Um, and, you know, there's always been talks of like, you need, you meet, you meet quotas as a private institution, um, like, you know, per affirmative action on, on the federal level, all the way down to just people spewing, just like, I don't know, what, what do you call it? Like BS news about how they feel because they didn't make it into certain university that there's a certain right. level of discrimination. They're like, oh, you have that all going for you. But it's so <laughs> deeply entrenched, like you're saying, from everything from like IBAP programs, who's yep. in those, what neighborhood in Seattle they're coming from. Yep. Um, and even at Garfield, where we experienced the crux of that, just smack dab in the middle of, everything from Garfield South for Garfield North and just like the experience of like being a more affluent, maybe white student from like Ballard and you went to school at, at, at WCU at Garfield or being from like around like Cleveland or Rainier beach and like going to school at Garfield or just like from the CD, you know, where your roots are. Um, you just like experience it all. Um, it's just super wild like that. Cause I mean, I could tell you about my experience being, not obviously the same as you. Well, actually, I was going to call it first shout out <laughs> the greatest, um, the greatest resource that we had at Garfield that I wish I took advantage of um, college access. And now the mm. can network in, in Washington is one of the greatest, yeah. you know, things that I, so many of our friends have benefited from. I don't know if you personally were part of can or not, but um, they had an office in, at Garfield, like a special, right. like a specialist that was there to help the students. Um, a lot of our friends go to places like UW, and go to school in state and encourage us to stay in state. Right. Because that was something I was so dead set on. Like I had my, you know, my whole family lineage, almost all of my family that went to, that were first gen students went to WSU in the eighties and the nineties and even my cousins in the two thousands. And there was always that stigma of like, Oh, WSU is the party school. WSU is like where you go. Mm. Do you, you know, always may got made fun of growing up because we were cougs and, you know, we're not good at football, but like, then you're like, oh, it's a party school, fraternity, sororities only. <laughs> and I just, that is the only like picture I had painted of the university. And I have been, I had been to the university multiple times, visiting our cousins, going over with the jazz work or the jazz band to like Lionel Hampton, as you have in the past too. And you stop and it's just snowy. It's just snow everywhere. You're like, this is absolutely <laughs> what everyone said it was. Blah, blah, blah. All this like, you know, all this stuff that really cooks into like the mental health of like a teenager going through this process. Yeah. Regardless of me being first gen or not. And I that fed like this drive for me to feel like I had to go to an out of state school. Like I had to I had to impress not only myself, but the people in my life, whether they're like friends or like my family, my brother. Like I was like, I got to be the first one to get out of the, you know, get out of the state for the university. And that's so overrated. Like that was just like oh, yeah. one of those things that's fed by everything you and I have just been talking about for the last 15 minutes yep. of our experiences around that at Garfield. And look, it's the same at many schools across the country. It's just not only is Garfield where we win, it's just a very interesting case study and like how that affects 
so many different students, not even just like, you know, if you come from a city that's mostly white or black or API based, um, like you're not really going to have, you will still have that experience. But Garfield like had that where like a lot of different communities were very strong um, and tied with each other. And we were all tied as a community, but like we never addressed how that affected each other. So when I applied to places like Syracuse, Northwestern, Columbia, USC, Michigan, like, and then WSU, UW, Western Washington, um, I'd only made it into one school. And I was so dead set on going to Northwestern too for their Medill, Mm -hmm. I mean, amazing journalism program. I have really close friends that went and love their time there. And I'm happy that they love their time there and got to visit one of my friends, Patrick Lynn there. And uh, it's a great campus. It's everything I wanted it to be my experience. It was like the only place I visited on like college tours. And I just remember being like, I got to go here. Right. Disregarding how expensive it would have been. Like if I had gotten <laughs> in, you know, that we, that's a whole nother thing is about the money, like breakdown yeah. and how much it costs to go to these universities. Like didn't get into a single one. Like I just remember like having an awful time in school uh, my final few semesters because of how busy I was with like ASB music sports all that stuff mm. and took a hit like you were saying like you get to the point where you look at the grade requirements you look at the SAT ACT requirements and it just really makes you second guess everything that you feel yeah. like you had to show I mean especially yeah. for two of us who were really involved and the thing was like a lot of our friends were also just as, vo- as involved but had cum laude summa cum laude level GPAs right plus AP credit, all these things that we were also involved in, right? But it's like, yeah. you just have like home life to deal with. You've got your extracurriculars. You don't have anyone exactly. in your life to tell you this is how it works. Exactly. This is how you need to worry about it. You may, have, you may have parents like I did who had that info and were you know helping me as much as they could, but also very busy providing for not only us, but like, you know, the whole, the whole fam. And it's just not really something that you address until like you need to address it. Yeah. So not getting in anywhere, but Washington State University, <laughs> you know. Yeah. As like a 17 year old, you're like, damn, I'm really messing up. Like I, my, my, what am I going to commit to all this stuff? And, you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all so far, you know, my love for Palouse, Pullman, my Cougs, WSU runs very deep now. Cause as much, and we'll get into the stats in a second here, which will show you really why I think, and why we both think, you know, really consider your in-state options for many reasons first before out of state, unless you get that scholarship money, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, but, you know, that doesn't happen to everyone, especially from our background. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really didn't help having people from PTSA. I remember very vividly one person from v- PTSA who I, I, you know, I was close with. And, like, I don't fully judge her on this, you know, as a mom right. of another student there who I knew went to a really nice, like, public school on the East Coast, got into the school he wanted to go to. Like, I didn't want to go to WSU, grew to love it. But it's like you don't want to go there when you're applying to 11 other universities. Mm-hmm. Um, tell her where I get in, right? I'm just like... Like, I just got done being, like, all these things I thought were great achievements. And they were. Like, they're great achievements to me and my friends. And that's all. And fam, that's all that really matters. But when you get told by someone you've worked with this entire year, like, this whole rapport, you build this whole rapport with to, like, work with the community. And, like, you have to say it was mostly white, like, family members who are able to be there for the PTSA, as it is for a lot of schools. And she go, I tell her where I got in. I go, yeah, I'm going to WSU next year. I accepted everything in May and everything like that. I got in. I was very excited um, to get into anywhere. She goes, and I, I kind of expressed disappointment because I was like, you know, this is how I've been conditioned. I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> I didn't get into Northwestern or Columbia or anything. And she goes, well, don't worry. There's always transferring. And, like, I, I get it. Like, I was a little disappointed, but you should have been in the moment. You should have been like, hey great that you went to university it's great that you're getting this opportunity 
It's great that you're paying in-state tuition. Yes. Out-of-state tuition is ridiculous. <laughs> My brother can attest to that too. Like anyone is like, you know, if you didn't have the cash, if you don't come from wealth, we don't come from wealth. Like our parents were well off, but it's like, it's not, you know, we're in that, we're in that gray zone where when you go to college, you can't afford to send two sons to, it's ridiculous. We go into debt and stuff like that. So, right. Um, given those deep stories, which did take up a lot of time, you know, I actually love having this conversation. It's the first time I think we've conversed in a big picture story. Yeah. But we could honestly just like drop like a whole hour, 30 minutes. This is what's going to be on the Patreon. We'll have a th- hour, <laughs> 30 minute, just a roast session. Special content. Everyone in high school. Yeah. But hey, shout out. Yeah, I want to, before I get into the stats, I just want to shout out people like Miss Antonich, Miss A, Miss A, Mr. Howard, Miss, like Mr. Mr. A Cox, um, uh, Lovery, uh, just so many people at at Garfield that like just made me feel like, and Mr. Westring, that just made me feel that what I was doing was like enough and like it was great and like helped encourage me to like, you know, still go to, still go to, to college and enjoy what that's going to give you. Um, I don't know if you want to shout out anyone either, but hey, man, just, a just few names. Just bless all the teachers. You know, if you grew up like, yeah. you know, just being a a hard, I, I don't even. Okay, if you just grew up just being like annoying to your teachers, you know, <laughs> you know, the teachers are the most underrated, underpaid people. You know, next to other professions too, that have to deal with you know all the crap that we have to go through either at home at school so just shout out to all the teachers just shout, shout out, out. shout out but yeah we'll have to do another episode on public schools yes. that'll be <laughs> um but speaking of public schools uh we just went over like a quick i think it's like they're called the u.s news and world rankings report right mm-hmm. so they are the ones that uh university sites are going to use as like the main ranking system um when they talk about top universities in the world, but specifically in the U.S., um, for the public schools, it went UCLA, uh, UC Berkeley, University of Michigan, University of Virginia, and University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, where my Tar Hill's at. I know not a single person that went to UNC. But um, <laughs> also for private universities, you have Princeton, Harvard, Columbia, MIT, Yale, Stanford, the top six, always the top six. You know, it goes into that thing. We, I know people that went to almost every single one of those schools. I, you know, I got great friends that went to all these schools and mad respect, mad love. But it's like, yeah, when you see that on the sheet, right? You're just like, ah, oh, damn, I'm going to WSU. Hey, man, don't discount state. yourself. Don't I'm discount not yourself. We, we, we're rounding about. Go Cougs. Go public schools. That's that, <laughs> that is the moral of the moral of the story. But um, you know, at UCLA, there was like a 14% admissions rate. You needed to have a 3.92 or a 4 GPA. Unweighted. When you talk to me about what unweighted versus weighted GPA means, I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. My GPA was sub three in high school. Like it was just like wasn't where I needed to be. But I was like, what is weighted? Like you don't get told this stuff if you're not involved in the process like at, at the high school level you don't have people right. like around your life outside of school to tell you um you need to get your act as high as a 32 29 to 32 to get into ucla and sat numbers hovering around five or 1550 1500 and on the new scale after they re- removed that section the writing section right or yeah. um whatever section they removed and that's out of 1600 <laughs> that's in your perfect score to get into ucla the top public school in the nation and even UNC, it's 20% admit. You need about a 1,400 SAT on average to get in. Uh, mine was not near that. Like, I don't know about <laughs> yours. Like, I'll tell no, you. No, not even close. Up, I did not wake up hungry to get 
a top score when I was at Ingram at like eight in the morning, bro. I just was not ready for that. Like, <laughs> like October, 2014. Um, I know people who are like, oh yeah, this is my fourth time taking the SCT. I'm like, this is going to be my only time again. We'll have to get into the whole public school stuff later, yeah. but uh, very similar uh, exam scores to UCLA. They even included stuff on, on their class breakdowns as a university. 49% of the new class served as a president of a class or a club. 33% captain of varsity sports team, 16% founded an organization. I'm like every university has people wow. like that, right? But like when you're UNC, like you're going to put that forward, makes you feel like, you know, all these like levels to college admissions we're talking about here. Um, and, it, you know, obviously private is where you get into the single digit numbers <laughs> where a place at Princeton. Yeah. And we had people coming from Garfield to Princeton almost every year. Um, 5.6% of their people get admitted um i think that's like yeah that's the number just 5.6 your sat needs to be almost 1600 it looks like you have about a thousand points of like leeway there and your act needs to nearly be 36 out of 36 so you're talking about like the highest like you know level of intelligence or or act you know activities based um impressive stuff on top of like your grades and things um and in fifth sixth place here at stanford it's even lower it's like a 5.1 percent emissions rate Shout out homie Patrick Mogan. Um, also had some <laughs> great friends go to Stanford. But, you know, SAT has to be about 1430 to 1570. ACT 31 to 35. So you just like compare those numbers to where we went to school, Jess. I'll have you talk about Seattle U and then your own section as well. But yeah. at Washington State University, the land grant university of the state of Washington, um, we have about a 72% acceptance rate. I remember feeling when I got into WCU that that was a detriment to my like <laughs> ability to do well at a university or what I did in high school. Like, oh, I'm getting to a place. I'm basing my like perspective um, idea of how fun or how, how much I'm going to get out. Not even just how fun, but like how much I'm going to get out of the college experience by the acceptance rate. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. one of those arbitrary things. It's like college should be about art are your your ability to get in college should be about opportunity it should not be about selectivity obviously private schools are smaller than public but at least for public schools like this is where it should be for public schools like hovering around that acceptance rate and how important it is to give opportunity to the people that are from your state like you want to keep people you want to build community right that's how you do it mm -hmm. you build networks with the people that live the closest to you you better your own community etc cetera, etc cetera. go kooks all that good stuff yeah. um but they even like op they offer these two new things in the last year, I think, since COVID began, um, where as of March 2021, WSU no longer requires students to submit test scores, ACT or SAT. So you can just get in if you know they you go through the admissions process, obviously about three fourths of people get in. That sounds like opportunity to me, you know, if you show yeah. the effort in high school that you want to continue your education. Um, and that's where I fit in because I had all this involvement. My GPA was sub three was given an opportunity to graduate cum laude in college, you know? And they even at DC, like even for the highest achievers at WSU, um, if you're top percent of your top 10% of your class, or you have a 3.6 GPA or above in high school, automatic submission, plus like scholarships out the Wahoo that come from the state. Wow. And that, that's amazing. I mean, there's even, there's an honors college at most state universities. I was a part of the one at mine. Like you can join these prestigious, you know, lineages of of very intelligent, hardworking people at college and not have that that background. You just have opportunity. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so shout out WCU for getting rid of um, ACT and SAT scores. No longer a part of the application process. 
Yeah, and that whole like test optional like process is such a game changer. I I know mm-hmm. like Seattle use they they're starting to do that with grad admissions. I'm not sure about undergrad, but you know, just that can be a whole other episode too. Yeah. <laughs> the inequities uh graduate admissions or not graduate admissions, undergrad graduate admissions and standardized testing. We can go on about that, but on Seattle U's end, we have an 83% admit rate. Um, in terms of GPA average, we're looking at around a 3.5 to 3.9. So, you know, looking at your cum laude to summa cum laude type people. And then you got <laughs> <laughs> in the SAT oh, yeah. range, 11, It's just average, you know. They're just, just average. average so, you know, know, we're just an average school. But <laughs> yeah, we got 1160 to 1320 and 24 to 30 on the ACT range. And, you know, looking at those numbers now, I know for a fact, like both my GPA and my standardized test scores did not fall under those ranges. I just don't know how SU accepted me, but you know what? Bless (laughs) SU. Yes. (laughs) Bless SU. Bless you. Red Hogs. Bless you. Bless you. That should be the new uh, re re renovation the rebranding the rebranding thank you yeah (laughs) but um transitioning it over looking at you know racial ethnic admissions and local out-of-state i just want to highlight some things here especially in regard to affirmative action and what that is you know you might hear that being thrown around a lot especially in college admissions and what that basically is is providing redress through education or employment so understanding like historical wrongs in terms of how you know, minorities or underrepresented groups have lacked access or opportunity to things such as college or certain types of jobs um, and making sure that there are opportunities for them to go to college or university or wherever you're at, as well as looking at, you know, minority serving institutions, also known as MSIs. And we're going to be throwing some alphabet soup in here, <laughs> starting off yeah. with HBCUs or historically black colleges or universities so we're thinking about howard university in dc you got morehouse you got spelman hampton university and then thinking about our anapeces which you know may not be thrown around as commonly which is asian american native american pacific islander serving institutions try saying that it's a huge five times acronym (laughs) yes but bless anapeces And, you know, there's also HSIs, which are Hispanic serving institutions. And, you know, what's interesting about these colleges is that, you know, they enroll around 4.8 million students, which is roughly 28% of the overall nation's like undergrad enrollment. And, you know, what's interesting to see here is, you know, with everything that's been going on in terms of, you know, this movement for social justice and racial justice, You know, you're seeing a lot of students of color applying to these minority serving institutions because they have curriculums, because they have community staff, faculty that reflect their lived experience. And, you know, just thinking about it, if I could redo my college admissions again, I definitely would have wanted to apply to a minority serving institution. And again, Harald, you can touch on this, too. But, you know, being a person of color, going to a predominantly white serving institution yeah, man. there's not really a lot of people or resources for you. Right. And that's yeah, definitely hard. It, it creates like, a, a, I think, like a community based approach to how you then like positively affect um, your students of color on campus. Yep. Um, where like I've talked about in the past with people we've had on the pod, but also just 
new background on what it was like to be in the community, um, like the multicultural community at WSU, uh, it being a predominantly white institution, like you're saying, I mean, increasingly less so, um, you know, shout out Dr. Elson S. Floyd, first black president of a Pac-12 university, um, sadly passed away before I was able to go to WSU, but he created this, helped create from an administrative side, along with people that I got to meet over my time there, um, that created this ability for Latinx, uh, anyone from the Filipino community on the West side, the black community, indigenous community to grow those um, communities, not only in numbers, but in support um, where like, I didn't even get a chance to take advantage of um, all of the great uh, resources that were given to us as students of color on the campus, uh, on the fourth floor of the Cubs. So you had like student centers for uh, black students, uh, API students, the Latinx center, um, all on this like communal fourth floor that really made us super tight as a community. You got friends from cross cultures that you may never have experienced relationships with before. Um, and like really deep, like bonds and friendships that were really important. I think at least for like my personal development, um, in college outside of like the classroom, you know? Um, but I mean, while we're not any of those serving institutions for any minority serving institutions that you're explaining, um, even those situations kind of create an ability, I think, for um, a lot of universities to to focus in some of their resources, if not, you know, what should be more resources on anyone who considers himself to be in the minority of a predominantly white institution like WSU is. Um, but trust me, yeah, WSU isn't like hampering away from, you know, when people are like, affirmative action takes away from my ability to enjoy college. No, it doesn't. There's so like the regular money is going to the entire university, which is predominantly white, which means thus you are getting that as well as us. You know, there's just needs to be that. What I'm so happy there was that extra push to create community, you know, right. Um, that may have been much more difficult if those centers did not exist. Um, didn't have the funding to exist. We didn't have those programs like shaping cash and vibes to bring students from the west side and over of color from our respective communities to experience college for the first time which is also help it's funded by the university and students alike so um you know shout out not only us but any place that's doing stuff like that because it's important kind of right. got away from like actually talking about minority serving institutions no but, you're, you're good man that was good i mean those exist there so Right. And again, you can you have the ability to find community wherever you are. And that kind of also leads us into different alternatives that you can take aside from going to a traditional four year college or university. Right. We mentioned community college or also known as junior college. Like that's a two year pathway for you to, you know, at least save some money in your state or wherever you plan to go and then transfer to a four year institution. You know, that's what, you know, my dad did. He didn't end up getting his bachelor's, but he ended up going, you know, to Seattle Central, getting his associates, which is great. That's another path. And then for him to also teach at a vocational institute, you know, learning a trade, getting an apprenticeship, working with your hands, like doing some like real job, uh, not real jobs, but doing <laughs> real like jobs. Real, real jobs, <laughs> but, you know, doing things that can affect people on a day to day basis. So, you know, we need our le- electricians, we need our IT support people, we need our dental hygienists, right? You can still make a living, you can still make a name for yourself, you can still serve your community, you know, by going to these places, finding community, wherever you're at. And, you know, once again, you don't have to do it because everyone else is doing it it's okay to chart your own path, right? 
and knowing what you want at the end of the day, knowing what makes you happy, you know, and making sure that you can provide for yourself, your family, your friends, your loved ones. You know, that's that's all we ask, man. If you can be happy doing what you love to do, whether it's going to college or an alternative or whatever, making a name for yourself, you know. Yeah, and met, that's met what plenty of homies. Met plenty yeah. of homies in, in college that were anywhere from three to ten to fifteen years older than me. Great people. We're not gonna have the same experiences generationally, but <laughs> you know, even if you want to go to college later in life, that's always an option as well. Yep. For sure. And yeah, don't don't let those microaggressions and backhanded compliments get you down either. We were talking about the PTSA anecdotes oh. earlier, but obviously everything from microaggressions to like those biases we were talking about for the last 30 minutes um, have, you know, they exist in a lot of different parts of life. So um, while it's much easier to say now, like, don't let them get you down. Like, you know, we've been there before. Yeah. Friend, I have friends, obviously, have experienced it tenfold worse, like. You know, you can't really quantify that pain, but like you, you can if it's happening all the time to you for certain reasons. And that's not like my personal experience, but like we said, like on the spectrum of like, I don't know, just I guess we could just call them microaggressions. Like, yeah, they exist in the entire college admissions process, which is maybe we should just call it like versus microaggressions based mm. in college admissions. But you yeah. know, obviously, that's a huge part of what we have to talk about when we talk about our issues and you know, upsides to going to college and what that is like, you're going to have to deal with that a lot of the times if you're not like in a predominantly white space for that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's kind of, it is the reality too. So don't let people tell you it's not. And um, it's a complicated thing for people, especially who are young right. to wrap their heads around. So I yeah, mean, we're, you're, you're, yeah man. Our next our interview coming up with uh, mental health movies, filmmaking, this kind of has to feed into mental health as well. So I'll let you take it off there. Yeah. And just on that topic of mental health, right? Like, you know, there are resources out there. We also do want to highlight and mention it is Mental Health Awareness Month as well as API Heritage Month. So we're going to be having a conversation with one of my good friends, Mark Batista. He is currently a Bridge MBA candidate at the Seattle, the Seattle University. (laughs) Um, And, you know, one of my, you know, best friends who's, you know, really opened up to me about you know, his um, passion for movies and filmmaking and the industry, as well as, you know, challenges that, um, you know, he's faced, especially as a college student, um, you know, regarding mental health, relationships, friendships, all that. Um, And understanding, you know, where he's taken it, you know, because we all have different stories. And, you know, again, Panoise versus the world, this is our platform to bring on our friends, our family, our cultura, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. on this pod to, you know, really dive deep into, you know, what people are feeling and how they overcame any challenges and their successes too. So with that said, we're going to be bringing it to you back with our friend, Mark Batista, no relation to Dave Batista. (laughs) And we're going to be transitioning to this musical break.
Today's episode of Pinoy's vs. the World is brought to you by our unofficial sponsor, Nalgene. Do you need to drink some water? Are you getting hotter as the days go by? Nalgene. Stay hydrated, friends, every day for the rest of your life. Nalgene. In sizes 20 ounce to 32 ounce. The more you drink, the more you think. Nalgene. And back to the show. And welcome back from that musical break. Today on our friend interview, we have my good friend, the Mark Batista. No relation to Dave Batista, <laughs> although he is Dave Batista in the flesh in Seattle, as what I like to refer to you as. No, I'm just kidding, Mark. We call you Dave Batista. Would you mind telling him Dave no. Batista? Do I call you that? Yeah, no, I mean, people, yeah, people call me Dave Batista's nephew. And actually, in high school, I convinced several people that I was his actual nephew. <laughs> that must have been the height of Classic. the first Guardians yeah, exactly. of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. 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 September 2014, a month after Guardians. They're like, amazing. Hey. Okay. Now down to a T. I yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah. 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 We love that Filipino representation. Uh, and, you know, thank you for being here, Mark. Um, would you mind telling the people just a little bit about yourself? You know, what you do, where you're from? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Thank you for having me. Big fan of the podcast. So, um, yeah. My name is Mark Bautista. Uh, fourth year pre major. No, okay. Um, no, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I'm Mark Bautista. I am, um, you know, first gen Filipino American. I um, came to Seattle University in 2016, graduated in 2020, but right now I'm doing a master's in business administration at SU. But um, yeah, I've known Jess pretty much all of my, you know, college life. I'm very lucky to have him in my life and as a, as a friend. And uh, yeah. And um, yeah, things I like to do in you know my free time is just like watch movies, hang out with friends, make movies. Actually, um, yeah, check out the YouTube channel, Mark Bautista. Uh, oh, plug, plug, yeah. <laughs> plug it. Always looking for more subscribers, but um, but yeah, I, in terms of um, yeah, what else would you like to know about me? Yeah, yeah. Um, can you please tell us, you know, your age, your <laughs> social your security location, number, your social security <laughs> number? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but in all realness, um, you know, we are having this conversation in the month of May. This is also Mental Health Awareness Month, as well as API, or no, Asian American Pacific Heritage Month, Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And, you know, just being able to meld those two things together in like our conversation we're about to have today um, is going to be really awesome. So kind of just jumping into it, you know college you know harold and i talked about this just like our time in college and you know the different highs and lows and the struggles and the successes Mm -hmm. and just thinking about that and how we navigated through that that really had an effect you know our our mental health not only with school but relationships friendships things of that nature Mm -hmm. and you know we talked about how you know that wasn't really a thing that we really talked about in college but there were some like different nuances about how it showed up in our lives and you know just wondering like since you're here like was the topic of mental health talked about with you growing up and what was that like you know just navigating that um throughout yeah yeah no that's a good question i I think you know for me mental health you know if the um being aware of that and trying to uh, make sure that you know um you know, that, that it does play an active role in your life. Um, it, um, 
it's very important to me, but interestingly enough, it's only been a major part of my life over the past maybe six years. So I feel like growing up, like, you know, being a in childhood or being a teenager, it wasn't something that, you know, I really actively talk, talked about with, with my family. And it's not that we didn't necessarily want to, but it's just, we didn't quite know how. So I think that, you know, now, now that, you know, you know, I'll, I'll be open about it. Like I, you know, I go to therapy, you know, every, every couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I think it's been, it's been really helpful in terms of, you know, learning more about my, you know, my own thought processes and like, just, you know, figuring out different ways to like, kind of, um, you know, change how I see the world and trying to be more positive, but also acknowledging, you know, the kind of like struggles that, you know, everyone goes through and how, you know, normal that could be. So um, I guess if I was to relate it to my college experience, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, because I started, you know, going to therapy in like the later years of high school. And I think what I learned there was very important when I transitioned to college, just because it's a new environment, you meet all these new people, and you kind of feel like um, an outsider, right? Um, so I think, you know, just le- like remembering the techniques that I had, um, and like learning how to cope was, um, was very helpful in coming to college. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and just try to, you know, use, use those, those mechanisms to, you know, try and find a, try and find a build a community. And I, I was very lucky because, you know, coming to SU, I met so many other, um, AAPI, um, people, which, you know, coming from Denver, I grew up in Denver and, um, that community, well, you know, it's there, it's there, it's very, it's definitely pretty small compared to Seattle. So I'm very fortunate to have, um, met and interacted and become friends, really good friends with people who share kind of similar, um, you know, home experiences too. So I am fortunate for that. Yeah. And that's awesome to hear, especially on the community piece. Um, You know, I think being able to have that community and having people, you know, relate, listen and empathize, you know, not only like during hard days, but on like your best days Mm -hmm. too. You know, that's really important knowing that you have that network, having that support system um, throughout, you know, the busiest and, you know, very like stressful four years of you know, your life, very formative years of your life. And I know, at least for me, like, I'm very thankful of, you know, having you like in my support system and you too, Harald, and being able to relate to different things, not only like in personal life, but like, for example, you know, with you, Mark, being able to like watch some like cool movies and awesome music. And then with you, Harald, just like growing up, like in the neighborhood, we've seen the things change. We still have our you know, relationship to jazz and music and everything. So we're able to like bounce off that energy. And, you know, that's really important. Just like understanding that, you know, you have friends that are there that you can talk about that, but also talk about the deep stuff. too. For sure. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's super, that's super dope. I feel like when you bring up that point too, about, well, I don't know if it was Jess or you, Mark, that brought it up when we just started talking about mental health, especially in the month, but uh, just this idea that, especially in the last five six seven years like it's not necessarily become like more or less mainstream i mean if anything it has become more mainstream i feel like especially amongst like i don't even know where you put us millennials gen z 
are we zillennials you know you put yes. a z at the beginning i was actually like talking about this with like a mentor yesterday like it's it's undecided as to like whether millennials cut off at like 96 or 99 90, so. right right so i mean that, that's huge for us like we're yeah. that's where we are like that's where yeah. we fit exactly. 97 and 98 babies here so yeah, but yeah. it becoming more mainstream uh mm-hmm. i feel like i do have a lot more friends that are going to therapy you know obviously and like candidly too like it's something i've think i considered like pretty heavily about doing just about personal experiences in college and high school and stuff mm-hmm. you know just like personal life in general um before like the pandemic hit and i feel like it's something i do want to like take up like especially like in person like i know there are resources that exist for mm-hmm. whether or not you're like on a phone call with someone or like all, the plethora of like apps and you mm-hmm. see like commercials for stuff like better wellness or I, I forget what the you know michael phelps has like commercials about like getting help and like it's cool to see him up there um but yeah no it, it's definitely like it definitely seems like something that that a lot of people can benefit from so it's 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 good to hear that um someone like you got into it as as young as you did like even you know like at the at the height not even at the height of what i that's why i'm trying to like get around to is like not the height of like mainstream it's like mm-hmm. truly looking for ways to like become like healthier and in in, in like your mind so you can focus on mm-hmm. things like your passions um because speaking of that transition um (laughs) what jess has been telling me um is that you have uh more than a more than just a deep fascination with movies and the movie industry do you want to tell the people on the pod about um your passion for film um and kind of like what your involvement has been uh in not just like the industry so far because obviously you know you're still a student you're talking about but you what you want to do with it like do you want to change certain things in the movie industries? Are we talking like local, back home where you're from, like mm. nationally, internationally? Tell the people about what you're about with the film industry, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for all. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I just love movies. I mean, they've been just kind of like a constant part of my life since like I was very little. Like, um, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that you know, like tv was my babysitter like my parents were very present but you know i grew up watching toy story on vhs like on a loop like oh yeah so um yeah i mean i pretty much like knew i can quote the whole movie like front to back now because of that but um, the first one the first first and second one so did 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 sid did did sid scare you as a child as much as he did with me i I don't know if sid like scared me as much as like the baby with the um the baby head Sp- yeah. the claws yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the claw yeah. <laughs> you know no, bo- both both sid and the baby were kind of like creepy i think sid yeah like the, his peanut shaped head was just very odd. Uh, it's a lot of horror elements in toy story one <laughs> like oh yeah i mean it was like like body torture and just kind of like transformations all the weird toys and sid yeah, yeah it's crazy yeah it's horrible like, yeah, I think it's actually the most hardcore Pixar movie. I mean, next to the <laughs> it is yeah. pretty hardcore. Bugs Life is pretty hardcore, I feel like, yeah. but also Bugs, yeah. Bugs Life also scarred me as a child. But this is yeah. my Pixar therapy. Oh, early early Pixar animation horrified me, and then Monsters Inc. came around. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's actually funny because like Jess and I were talking about DreamWorks, and he doesn't like the DreamWorks movies because the Shrek, like, bro. Yeah. Meet the I mean, Robinsons is an exception. Bro? That's a deep cut. Meet the Robinsons is Disney. Oh, okay, man. <laughs> well that's that's tough. That's tough. You don't like ants with a Z? Like no, it's so ants. ugly. Dude, ants Dreamworks is actually scary. Ants is actually horrifying. I digress. Though. No, I ants digress. is actually a scary movie. Like that yeah. should be listed as a horror film. <laughs> like, that, is, that is not okay. 
should not be in the family section at Blockbuster. No, no, it should have never been in the family section for Hollywood Video for yeah. that for exactly. that matter. Yeah, but um, but yeah, you know, I mean, like, I just yeah, so like, I just love movies. I mean, this is you know, just like you you see, you see what I mean? Like the power of movies, like it allows it to connect on that level, and just to, like kind of relate mm-hmm. to each other. And, um, you know, just kind of share experiences, like, even though, you know, sometimes, you know, people call it like, oh, it's a passive activity. But like, you know, when you're sitting in the theater, and you get to like laugh or scream or, you know, oh, just, I miss that, man. Yeah. 100%. yeah I mean, I, I feel mean, like a lot of people do. But yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But I mean, there, there's just like that energy in the theater that, you know, I just really, I really like cherish. And I, yeah. I think, you know, in terms of like, what I want to do is just like, create a movie that like, elicits that kind of reaction from people, you know, it doesn't have to be like, like I'm not tr- out here trying to be like David Lynch, where it's like super obscure or like super artsy. Like I mean, I value those movies, but what I, the kind of movies I really value are like the kinds of ones where just people just really like relate to and just resonate with, like kind of like immediately, you know. But do it in a way that feels earned and not kind of like cheap and like um, just m- emotionally manipulative, you know. Like I really want to earn it, but you know, right. also feel something, you know what I mean? No, totally. But, um, I think. Yeah, sorry, you also asked me about, like, things I wanted to, like, maybe influence with, you know, my movie, like, where I want to go with it. Yeah. Um, I think if there's, like, one thing I would like to change, it's, like, um, yeah, I was, like, looking for this quote, actually, to, like, actually, like, read it verbatim, but I'm pretty sure there's an interview with David Bowie where he said that the idea of, like, artistic genius is kind of... um, it's kind of like made up by the Hollywood elite um, in order to promote like only specific artists and kind of make, you know, um, the idea of achieving any kind of artistic greatness, like out of your reach. Like some people would say that, Oh, you know, Kanye, he like, he's an artistic genius. So I can't be that way. But David Bowie was saying that that's not necessarily true. Great art can come from anywhere. Um, I was invoking ratatouille, like the end of ratatouille, you know. Um, like, anyone can cook. Anyone can cook. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, j- just I think changing the idea that you know, you know that 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 art is exclusive to only a certain group of people. You know that like everyone can be a great artist, and ev- anyone can express what they want to, um, and that is still valid. It's not any less valid than you know someone like. I don't know Lady Gaga is even though she makes great stuff, it's not any less valid than what she puts out, you know, or what mm-hmm. Jay, or Taylor Swift puts out, or Justin Bieber, or whoever you consider like an artistic genius. But yeah, um, like it's not streamlined. Like artistic genius isn't at all streamlined to one, mm-hmm. just like straightforward. This is the answer of how you do your how you I don't know how you commit yourself to the artistic genius. Um, mm-hmm. I totally, I totally understand that. Are, are you like a fan? Like, what, what, what kind of like genre do you feel yourself like fitting into? Um, mm-hmm. Especially from what you learned in school, uh, given you were talking about artistic genius. What is your artistic genius, Mark? <laughs> do I have an artistic genius? I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's really interesting. It's a good question because I, you know, growing up, I really resonated with like you know Spider Man Two. You know, with Toby. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like my favorite movie of all time. And I think just because awesome. like, 
yeah you know it just it blends actually like so many genres together you know like superheroes obviously action obviously but you know there's a bit of romance in there there's a bit of horror in there it's a bit of comedy in there so like i think the ability to like switch tones is also very cool um but i don't know if you all have seen uh creed with michael b jordan sylvester Stallone. yeah like, dude yeah creed yeah. is great creed yeah, is pretty that, spectacular yeah that's another one of my like you know favorite all-time favorite movies um it's it's a drama and it's like down to earth and realistic but like it, it hits home because the acting and the themes are just very strong so i just um yeah those are the kind of movies i like and there's like nostalgia to it as well with with mm-hmm. the connection to like the you know i didn't watch i watched like rocky one maybe when i was yeah, like yeah, same, same. in high school adrian adrian <laughs> <laughs> A very obscure, very obscure <laughs> references, but we love it. Is it that obscure? No, Rocky is like one of the most famous movies of all time. I Everyone I don't knows. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was about to say, so you're a big fan of um, Andrew Garfield and uh, Jamie Foxx? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Sam Raimi, right? We're talking about Sam Raimi. All the way. Yeah, one of yeah. my favorite directors. And just like a major, awesome. major inspiration. Because like you got to start... Um, making i don't know if you like the evil dead movies right? yeah and horror yeah they yeah. they talk what i've been really into i don't mean to hijack this we you know when you start talking about the superhero movies i yeah. i just tap into my bag shout oh, out yeah. our friend tyler Bowie. Yeah, yeah we are one of our yeah tyler, our tyler Bowie. Bowie, he's yeah. um another one of our very strong nerd friends in the in the highest honor um <laughs> and yeah obviously he got me into like dc a lot more but i was always a big marvel guy from growing oh. up with my uncle um mm-hmm. having us read comics we talked about comic-con um, coming back to Seattle uh, this December and stuff. And what he really got us into were those early Spider-Man movies. Um, uh-huh. Or I feel like, you know, by proxy, we got into them. But then um, when I heard Sam Raimi was directing the Multiverse of Madness movie that's coming up with Doctor Strange after the WandaVision arc, I'm very excited to see what he does. Because, I mean, I've seen the Evil Dead movies. Mm-hmm. A horror, yeah, I'm a hit or miss with my horror movies, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are definitely into the horror genre. So yeah. I'm interested to see what he'll do, you know, like, because it's a, it's a mainstream, like, you, you take Marvel, you uh, make it legitimate horror um, yeah. elements with someone like Sam Raimi, especially with yeah. the practical effects. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. If there was something with the practical effects going on. Yeah. No, I mean, I would love to see Sam Raimi style again. Because, um, like, there's an interview with Elizabeth Olsen, who plays um, Scarlet Witch, and she's going to be a Doctor mm-hmm. Strange. And she said something about, like, Sam Raimi loves to play with his camera. And, like, I don't, like if you remember, like, in a lot of the, you know, Sam Raimi movies, he does, like, extreme close-ups and just, like... Yeah, the, the, the like, he goes up and it's just, like, yeah. the, the meme faces have all yeah. just been birthed from the close-up generation. Yeah, totally. Exactly. So, like, I'm, I'm excited to see that again, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, like, Sam Raimi's has been a major inspiration just because he, like, just he and a bunch of friends from Michigan just up and went and made evil dead and they just kind of did it by themselves raised a bunch of money and just went out to the woods and filmed that movie so oh that's so cool yeah. man yeah. That, yeah that's honestly just like the idea of doing that is yeah. that is that what you want to change then like i mean maybe not change then going back to the original question but mm-hmm. is that kind of a goal of yours is to just stay true to like those you you kind of like mixing all of these favorite genres of yours i know we're talking about like specifically more so horror and like animation Mm-hmm. superhero based stuff right now but mm-hmm. is there anything that you i guess you want to change based maybe too on like representation shout out api history oh, month minari and mm-hmm. um parasite taking over the oscars the last couple yeah. years so yeah. yeah and yeah and chloe zhao you know wing chloe zhao yeah big yeah. time yeah i'm mean, very I mean, excited for the eternals oh yeah i'm excited for that too and just 
I feel like a bad um, AAPI member because I haven't seen Nomadland yet, but I, I, I have. I haven't either. I, to be fair, <laughs> I yeah. haven't either. You're good, <laughs> but I have seen Minari and I have seen Parasite. And awesome. Like, yeah. No, I mean those those movies are really um, really powerful because like you know they really like just they don't shy away from like the complexities of like just Asian, um, just Asian family dynamics. You know what I mean? So like I'm just really. You know, uh, you, you know, you feel that sort of kinship with you know, a, you know Asian creators, um, because they're not um, censoring themselves necessarily to appeal to like the Americans, you know, but like they're just being mm-hmm. very authentic and and, gen- and genuine, you know. So, um, yeah, I guess that's that's the kind of thing I want to put forward is like to not be for, for you know for creators, especially you know people of color creators, AAPI creators, to not be afraid to represent who they are. Um, you know, and you know, and do it in an authentic way, and and not to mm-hmm. feel like they have to dilute that um, to get a better or I don't know, bigger box office return. You know what I mean? So like, right? Yeah. Obviously, there's a balance. You know, obviously, producers want things, and studios want things, but um, based on the success we've seen with like Minari and Parasite, it's not a um, it's not a dichotomy. It's not, you know, it's not a trade off necessarily. So um, yeah. Yeah. Chloe Zhao is going to win or is going to is going to make a billion dollars off of the yeah. Eternals. That's okay. entirely going to happen. But I totally get what you mean. <laughs> I totally yeah, get what you exactly, mean about that. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, see, it's not a trade off, but, you know, you can still be authentic and still make a billion dollars. So. So, yeah. But, yeah, definitely more. Yeah. And also, yeah, definitely more AAPI representation in just like American cinema, because, you, you know, um, I mean, sorry, not to say that Minari isn't about you know, Americans, because, like, they are Americans and they're trying to live with the American dream. But, like, if you th- if you look back at, like, you know, there's another, you know, Asian Marvel superhero coming out, Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi. Yeah, Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's great to see that. But, like, I would love to see more, um, I don't know, just, like, you know, p- more Pinoys out there, you know? Like, yeah, I, I would yeah. love to see um, stories that kind of re- represent how I feel I fit in because um, like i don't know i always feel like i'm stuck in this limbo between like full-on filipino and full-on like american you know so like I, it's like i'm not sure what camp i fit into so i don't know i mean not that i'm not proud of my heritage of course i am but like if i saw like just a normal like romantic comedy i guess about like Fil- filipino guy and like his his um heritage wasn't like the major selling point of it like it was just a normal guy like me like i would love to see that too but um yeah yeah, and it's interesting to see like all the like, you know, different either Netflix special, Hulu specials, whatever streaming specials they have, like featuring like API voices. Like I'm just thinking like of a few, like, you know, Hassan Minaj, like he has his own like thing on hey, he's coming Netflix, back. but you know he's coming back too. He's coming back, but we know the thing about Netflix, yeah. you know, they're they're doing their shady tactics out there. <laughs> but again, I digress. But yeah, I think you bring up a good point just in terms of like the authenticity and like creative you know, genius that, you know, these API voices are being like spotlighted mm-hmm. for, right? And I think we're at like such a critical time. One, like, you know, seeing like the first like black and Asian, like female vice president, mm-hmm. right? So like knowing that, hey, like we were able to get into like the highest like echelons of power. Why can't we do that in other industries? Mm-hmm. You know, what about like movies? What about film? What about TV? Like now is the time. And, you know, I'm just like very like, I don't know what the word is, but like the feeling of like, you know, knowing that like we're being able to talk to you right now, Mark, and like knowing like in the next five to 10 years, like 
is your name going to be like on the screen? Like I know it will yeah. be right. Seeing your like name next to that work and like coming back to this moment being like, damn, like on May 27th in freaking Seattle, like we had this conversation with the like Martin future Tista, Seattle international like, no. film festival. Grand yeah. He got right winner. here. Future. E got right here. <laughs> e got- yeah. If y'all don't know Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, that's that's him looking right at here. the next Eddie but, uh, Wang right here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Um, but you know, thinking about that, thinking about like your inspirations, like was there a time like either in college or just like in your life, um, in terms of like cinema that really like you know struck a chord with you or just you know really resonated with you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, there. I mean, I, I, there, there, there are just so many influences. I mean, I think like the movies I talked about before, just in terms of like the reaction I want to get, like you know, Spider Man Two, for example, like that's definitely a major inspiration. Um, but in terms of like specific college experiences, you know, like you just interact with a lot of literature that really like hits a chord with you. Um, like there's this one book we read. Um, I don't know, like. It, it doesn't like quite like apply to like how I want to, how I want to be as a filmmaker necessarily, but just like how I want to be as a storyteller. Um, I, I, cause like it's the one that just sticks out the most to me. It's like Lieutenant Nun. It, it's like the biography of this trans nun in like the 14th century. And they traveled all across the world. You know, they, they shed their identity as a nun and became like a kind of, um, lieutenant in like the in the basque army so they traveled from spain they went to like south america mm-hmm. and I, I think in terms of like inspiration i think being able to decide hey i want to you know try something else i want to be able to travel the world and get new experiences and not really feel tied down to anything um if you don't want to like of course you want to be you want to have things that keep you grounded you know what i mean but in terms of just you know, trying to go out and get what you're worth and get trying to get the experiences is, um, yeah, that, that, that's experience that that's inspiring to me for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's like when you make film or when you just like in an artistic sense, I mean, maybe we can all relate to this as well. Mm-hmm. Like Jess as I as musicians and yourself as a future filmmaker, current filmmaker, mm-hmm. follow Mark Bautista on, on YouTube. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, like how how do these certain um because what that's something I've always been curious about is maybe so more with that uh question that Jess just asked, like even if it didn't happen in college, do certain experiences like nights with friends, like stressful times studying for school, just kind of existing, you know, just on a day-to-day basis in an environment like that kind of shape and frame how you uh plan to or maybe like currently are working on projects or you know, stuff like that. Like how does it frame your filmmaking? in a more specific way like we were talking about sam raimi or mm-hmm. or chloe Zhao or anyone like that like everyone has a very unique style whether right. you like it or not like it's a unique style right, right. yeah yeah, yeah no, I, no i love that question you know thank you for all for asking that just because yeah no i mean nights out with friends and just interacting with people like that's like just as a writer and as a person that's just what you thrive off of because you know obviously as a person you love your friends you love being around them it's also useful as a writer because you can kind of, you know, take inspiration from those experiences and kind of um, 
like just observe you know and i'm not saying like oh exploit your friends and your experiences with them you know (laughs) i'm not saying right totally (laughs) private but like i because like i mean i was a creative writing major in college like english but with a concentration in creative writing and you know there's a lot of opportunities to write short stories and i think as a writer i'm like, I don't want to brag, but like I'm really good at writing dialogue between people. And I think just getting all those nuances, um, you know, like I was inspired by hanging out with friends and just just kind of like observing and just kind of reflecting on a lot of the interactions, um, you know, that I have with people like, you know, close close people are not close people. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, every 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 one of my interactions uh, or connections, relationships, friendships, um, yeah, they 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 influence my work, you know, kind of indirectly, but it's still it's it's a very powerful influence for sure. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, well, I think Jess and I um yeah. are so happy to have had you today on on the podcast and mm-hmm. hopefully everyone that's listening. I mean, we we were talking about earlier how you were worried we we're going to have to like edit. I don't think any of this is going to get edited out. This is amazing. Um but before we let you leave, um go back to your um path to the Oscars, Mark. Uh, we both had our uh, we have both had questions about um, your top three favorite movies that you might want to recommend for us and listeners wow. of the pod, and maybe if you uh, want to add this on as well, your three favorite genres of all time. We kind of mm-hmm. touched on it, but do you think you can like break that down for us there? Yeah, for sure. Okay, three favorite movies. Um, so it's a it's a it's a it's a really good but challenging question um right yeah but yeah spider-man 2 for sure get all the um action style and all the different genres together creed um michael b jordan and sylvester stallone like a really powerful like twist on the rocky um storyline um third yeah there's this one movie called support the girls and it's a very like it, it takes place in like a hooters type restaurant and it just kind of like you know, it, it's not it, it's not it's not like a kind of like American Pie comedy, but it's it's kind of like um, more of an observatory drama about like how you know just the dynamics of just like how you know women in like a, a workplace like that have to like deal with and how how they connect. So the um, actually like that was on Obama's like top uh, movies of twenty eighteen. So <laughs> okay, sweet, yeah, yeah. I mean, so definitely, so definitely check it out. It was. It was I'm not I'm not describing it well, but like it's uh it's really <laughs> no it's a really powerful movie for sure because it, it yeah it just explores the dynamics of like you know um you know just, just like you know the Amer- the American capitalist system like what women are forced to do or how women are expected to act and just it's a really re- good reflective piece um, in terms of genres um yeah I, I yeah i really do like dramas i like i really like low-key dramas kind of like support the girls there's also another movie called the florida project which takes place in like um, a motel like near disneyland or disney world sorry and um so yeah just kind of like low-key observational dramas is what i like because it just really like cuts out a lot of the fluff and you just kind of like get to sit with characters so i like that a lot um yeah um love love a good action movie uh and i love a good um yeah i love i I I love a good i love a good comedy too so like just like those i know they're pretty you know so comedy drama action you know 
pretty basic but like I like, those are my favorite genres for sure i mean those are those are the money makers those are the <laughs> ones that those are the tear jerkers yeah. i was just imagine do you, do you have like a favorite comedy that's like a comedy horror as well mm, when we're I, talking about sam samuel ramey samuel R. ramey um yeah <laughs> no, no, I, don't, I don't know if that's his name but like no I mean, it like, is now yeah it is now yeah um, yeah no, but like his second movie, Evil Dead Two, is actually like a like a horror comedy. Um, it's, it's so like over the top and it's so like just corny and cheesy. But I, mm-hmm. I just love that kind of um, manic energy. That, that manic energy. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Evil Dead Two would highly recommend to everybody listening for sure. Yeah, you don't need to watch mm. the first one. Just watch this Evil Dead Two. <laughs> no, honestly. Straight ahead. <laughs> Yeah, just straight ahead. You honestly, like, the stories aren't really connected at all. So just Evil Dead 2, watch that. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, man. But in terms of, like, stories and connections, you know, just throwing it yes, back, yes. Um, you know, and being thankful for you being here, we want to wrap it up with you just in terms of having a lightning round, also known as the Lightning McQueen shout-out round. Ka-chow, yes. <laughs> to any, the best Pixar any animated life. movie, Cars 2. <laughs> Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I want to change my top three: Spider Man Two, okay. Cars Two, and Cars yep. Three. Cars oh yeah, okay, yeah. People sleep on Cars. Oh. Cars Three, man. I, yeah, cars yeah. One, hot garbage, horrible. Hot garbage, hot garbage. Too much tomato. Too much tomato. Too much Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh no! Yeah, man. But hey, this is your time. If you have any shout outs that you want to give either to people, places, mm. things, other Pinoys, it's all you, man. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Well, shout out to the two Pinoys right here who gave me oh. this opportunity. Harald, Jess, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk and, uh, you know, just like get some representation out. Like, I really think the podcast is really important. Um, so, yeah, thank you for just making it not just for me or with me, but in general. So thank you. We made it for you, Mark. Like this oh, yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we appreciate. Everything's appreciate for you. Man. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I, I really do appreciate it. So yeah, shout out to you guys. Shout out to my mom, my dad, my sister. Hopefully, you like listen to all of this and not just get to the end. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, shout out to you know just just the the core Seattle homies. I want to shout out you know um, you know Jess, Peter, Ashley, Jamie, Dakota, Victor, Hui, Shira. All my homies, uh, Angelina, Niall, um, Chris Potter, um, and, you know, my homies back home, Carlos, um, Chandler, um, Jen, Omar, Diego, and their parents. Uh, yeah, just all my homies. And Sergio. Sorry, I forgot Sergio. Uh, can't, oh, can't forget Sergio. <laughs> can't forget Sergio. Um, oh. And, um, yeah, there's so many other people I want to thank, but, like, just – it's i'm just really lucky to have a great support system and i just want to thank uh everybody listening to um yeah i just want to thank you for being there so thank you very much wow this is his pre-oscar speech everyone they're gonna start playing them off with the music they're gonna be like all right wrap it up wrap it up amazing no nah, thank but on panoise versus the world we don't cut <laughs> you off here we let you speak the full yeah. However, oh, ever like, you want to yeah. no, but thank talk, you so yeah. much for that, Mark. This this was a great conversation, man. I hope I, I hey, I already know everyone's gonna enjoy listening to it. I had a blast. For sure, yeah. No, I mean, I, if I mean, if the previous episodes are any indication, yeah, it's gonna be great. So yeah, so thank you, thank you so much. For sure, man. And with that, we just want to thank you, Mark. Thanks to the listeners for tuning in with us on this friend interview with our friend Mark Batista future oscar award winner 
and EGOTs, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony Ooh, Award winning. Tony, we even talked about the Tony writer director. Yeah, the Tonys. <laughs> yeah, Tony Fauci. Tony. No, no. <laughs> health crisis. Yes. <laughs> we have a public health crisis. But we appreciate y'all listening to this segment. Uh, we're going to be taking a quick musical break, and we'll see you with our Cultura Rex right after. From that rousing conversation with the Mark Batista. Amazing. What were some takeaways you got from that, man? Yeah, no. Shout out Mark. Uh, really big fan of his uh, his favorite movies, genres, uh, just him being a movie buff in general. That was a fun discussion. We haven't had anyone on that knows that much about film yet. If you have been on the show in the past and you know about film, our bad. We didn't ask you. But... Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but also, you know, real stuff. Talking about his personal struggles in life with everything from mental health, uh, his own personal representation, and like everything that he's studying going forward. Another one of your Pinoy uh, masters, homies. Shout out uh, everyone getting out there talking about undergrad, getting your masters and PhD is a whole nother thing. I couldn't even, you know, mm. you know everything about it. But yeah, shout out Mark, man. That was it. Was great to meet uh, the homie and. Hopefully it won't be the last time we have him on the podcast. Yeah. And he definitely like inspired us to, you know, share some future movie wrecks down the line, which brings us to our cultural wrecks. So for this episode overall, what's on your dial? My favorite album of the last two weeks uh, just came out this past week. Actually, you'll be hearing this on Sunday. So yeah, this past week, uh, up and coming Korean American R&B singer and rapper, from new york um i'm so sorry i said it like that new york city uh <laughs> audrey <laughs> nuna um one of my favorite up-and-coming artists uh, uh you know shout out api heritage month but without that this would have definitely been couture rec because she just dropped her first project her first album ep whatever you'd like to call it around 30 minutes long it's called a liquid breakfast you've got uh great songs from top to end i've listened to the album like 10 times i if you know me and i've been talking to you about music the last few weeks this is all i've been talking about um been tapped in for like a year and a half she's just kind of like sprouted off like just so fast and um has like raised a lot in her like notoriety everything from social media to her music so you've got really really awesome features from people like i you could, you could like jack harlow you cannot I, I personally like jack harlow on like this track that he featured on on her album and also uh saba if you're a big saba fan um you know the top to bottom go check it out wherever you stream or purchase your music um shout out audrey nunia or nuna um hopefully you're gonna be keep doing what you're doing she's like our age man like young representation in in the industry so uh yeah really great music audrey nuna keep it up looking forward to see what's next but i'm gonna be playing this album in my car for the foreseeable future sorry if it's all you hear if you're in my car <laughs> but yeah 
Nah, it's it's all good, man. Yeah, I gotta take a listen to that album. Yeah, it seems like you know they're up and coming artists. A Liquid Breakfast. That's such Very a endearing, cool name for an album title. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And in terms of Michael Tour Rex, what's on my dial? I'm gonna shout out the Foo Fighters. They were recently inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, representing Seattle. You know, they're just doing a whole bunch of virtual concerts. They're gonna do a lot of in person concerts. It's gonna be at Lollapalooza, I think, in Chicago that later this summer. Far. Too bad I can't go because uh, tickets are expensive and sold out. But it's cool. It's cool. Foo Fighters, you know, you'll have another Seattle concert soon. Um, I did want to add another Kultura Rec because this is also a recent thing. But shout out, shout out Jordan Clarkson of the Utah oh, yeah. Jazz for becoming the 2021 NBA Sixth Man of the Year. Our favorite Pinoy boy basketball hey, player filipino playing for the Philippines national team talk about that an nba player playing for the yes. national team yeah man shout out to jordan clarkson i want to buy that like retro lakers jersey when he was playing oh, on the yeah. lakers with kobe jordan gosh clarkson. man jordan clarkson you're you're a goat man for for the philippines for the americans for the filipino americans <laughs> nice and with that we're wrapping up our cultural wrecks. We're wrapping up our pod. But before we go, we just want to give a quick shout out to you all for our listeners. You know, this is episode four, even though we had our little 3.5 episode. We just want to thank you for listening to us, um, especially in this API Heritage Month. You know, again, being your favorite Pinoy boys from the CD, <laughs> we're always going to hold it down on this podcast, you know, be real with you um, and just have a conversation you know we just want to continue making this great stuff and we also want to shout out the people who make this pod possible so we got jared Coraldi who uh created our website camille naputo who designed our visuals and has helped us with our logo shout out to Jonas hilseth fellow gonzaga bulldog who has made the music as well as uh, Palawan. But who's, who's that? that? Oh, no. It's me. <laughs> Check out Palawan on, as well as, uh, on Instagram. Oh, no, no, go, go, go. Yeah. And shout out to Harald, too, for the music and all the great stuff that you're doing. Um, and shout out Jess. Thank you. <laughs> and without further ado, this is Ponoise versus the world. My name is Jess Wanich. My name is Harald Hilsep. And we're going to bring it back to you soon on episode five in June. So stay tuned. Peace.